the Askell Business Brunch. Hello and welcome to the Business Brunch podcast. My name's Hayley Dunn and I'm Askell's Business Leadership Specialist. I'm Louise Hatswell and I'm Askell's Conditions of Employment Specialist. And I'm Julia Harden and I'm Askell's Funding Specialist. And a warm welcome back to the podcast. It's been uh, another really, really busy month. And um, as we've all returned from the the Christmas holiday, there's certainly been no let up in the amount of policy changes um, that we've seen. Uh, Julia, I thought perhaps we'd come to you first this month because there's an awful lot going on in the funding space at the moment with a lot of different funding streams. And I think some of that is causing some confusion. Some of it's causing some anxiety. And I'd be really interested to get your insights on that. Yeah, thanks, Hayley. You're absolutely right. I mean, I think in practice, we're still unpacking the spending review, uh, which went ahead last autumn. Um, And indeed, I think, you know, the government departments, the Department for Education are are still in in their planning mode, having found out what their their settlement is going to be for the next three years, exactly how this is going to be targeted and how that fits alongside existing commitments that government have made, but there isn't going to be any money in addition to what was given in the spending review. So there's there's lots to think about and talk about. And I mean, obviously, you know, we welcome any additional funding, but what we're noticing is that with some of these new lines of funding, there seems to be um, increasingly rigorous conditions associated uh, to these these income lines. And, you know, almost inevitably, it's finance leads that will be, at least in part, charged with evidencing um, adherence to the conditions um, And and you'll be working as a finance lead, you'll be working with your curriculum colleagues who will be focusing on the educational impact. And that's their side of accountability um, for these income streams. And I think that's a really good um, place for me to, to sort of punctuate with the real key message here has got to be keeping lines of communication open between you as a finance lead. Um, and your curriculum lead colleagues because, you know, we know education is, is, is the number of uh, acronyms and, and the uh, the space for jargon is huge. Um, but we've really got to be working together across finance and curriculum. And you'll, you'll hit, be bored of hearing me say that, but it's so important. And this has really focused my mind on that again, this idea of these, these uh, rigorous conditions of grant. There's just a couple that I'd like to pick up on, and I've chosen those two because they're the ones that members are contacting um, the association about um, quite a lot at the moment. So I think that's where there is some some nervousness. Um, so the first one um, I'm going to talk about is the school-led tutoring grant, which is part of uh, the COVID recovery package. Um, and there's, there's plenty of good guidance out there. We flagged it in our uh, email newsletters um, on, on more than one occasion. But in a nutshell, the school-led tutoring grant is a ring-fenced grant that's um, to support uh, COVID catch-up. Um, it's ring-fenced and it's for this academic year only, as far as we know at the moment. It's allocation-based. You don't have to claim it. Um, the money is given to you up front and the amount you get is based on your pupil premium cohort. But the conditions are are quite... well. The, it's really important that you keep close to to the conditions because essentially the money that you receive is based on the delivery of a 15-hour programme of support for eligible pupils. And I'm not going to go into much more detail about what that looks like because it's all there in the guidance, but conditions around um, delivering a 
programme of support to eligible pupils. The money, as I say, is associated to um, an estimated cost of delivering 15 hours. The, the thing that people are getting worried about is that there is a potential um, for clawback of this grant if you underspend. But that's not to say that you either need to use it all or, or you will lose it all. It's about keeping really um, clear records of which pupils are, you are delivering to, tutoring to and wanting to use this money, assuming that, that, you know, that they fit the criteria, and the amount of time and the, that you are delivering uh, support to them and the cost of that. The, the clawback process will be an assessment at the end of this academic year of, um, of any underspend on that. But what we're hearing sometimes is that people are feeling nervous about using it at all because they feel they may not be able to evidence they've used it all. And that shouldn't be the case. Please go ahead and use it in accordance um, with the eligibility criteria that are included in the um, in the, the guidance, um, but keep clear records. So you'll know yourself, and there are examples in the guidance of, of how to how the SFO will look at what you submit at the end of the financial year and whether there will be any, any clawback. I mean, as an ex-business leader, the last thing I ever wanted to do was give any money back. So I would be keeping really clear records of exactly what I'm doing. So that's school-led tutoring grant. Please don't be nervous about it. Talk to your um, curriculum colleagues. Find out how you're you how they're using it, and make sure that that you know together you get the best for the pupils in your um, institutions. And the second one I want to to mention um, is the is is about. 16 to 19 funding because the spending review delivered an increase in the learner rate which was great again really really welcome um, that increase comes with a condition to provide additional hours in study programs from September 2022 um, and we know that there is um, lots of, uh, of conversation at the moment about you know how we deliver the, those programs now that isn't necessarily a conversation for us as business leaders but what is what is of a concern for us as business leaders is um, understanding that um, if the conditions of this additional funding are not met, there may be a potential for some clawback, and and it will it will it won't be clawed back. It'll come as a reduction in funding. So the the, the basic principles of this are that from September 2022, uh, institutions are expected to. Um, deliver an additional 40 hours per student on average and that's key because what it means is it's looking across the uh, the institution this the 16 to 19 and the sixth form if you're an 11 to 18 school for example and at the moment they're saying they're going to they're going to compare to 2021 um which is also causing some debate, but not for us to talk about today. So what I would be doing is looking at um, the average number of hours that we delivered in that academic year and then talking to um, uh, talking to your, your um, curriculum leads and, and your timetable planners and head of six to understand what the expectation is on behalf of the ESFA. The expectation on, on, from the ESFA is that you will... It, deliver an additional 40 hours so if you were if you're offering were offering above the basic um 540 hours it's a band five um allocation the expectation 
in simple terms is that you audition you will you will deliver an additional 40 hours if you're already delivering more than that 540 the expectation is still that you will deliver an additional 40 hours and that's where there's still a huge load of debate and that's going to go on but as it stands the expectation is an additional 40 hours so that i think from a, a business leader perspective that's where I would, that would be my starting point. I'd want to have a clear understanding of, of what our average hourly delivery looked like at 2021. And that's your starting point. Um, so, you know, clearly all, all of that is going to be um, more work. Um, I mean, it's the sort of work that we would expect to come our way as business leaders, but it's at a time when we're also looking at, at you know, planning our budgets. But we need to do, understand those grants and those additional hours uh, those additional hours particularly to help us in that budget planning process so it's all very necessary and it's all linked but clearly it has an impact um, on workload and I, I know that um, Louise and Hayley you've been doing um, specifically work specifically looking at workload and, and you've also um, set up and been working with a task and finish group and I'd be quite interested to learn more about the task and finish group and the work that you're doing Louise could you tell me a bit more about it yeah, of course, Julia. Um, yeah, so working with the Conditions and Employment Committee, um, we're really aware of the uh, issues that some of our business leader colleagues are facing in regards to recognition and pay and conditions. Uh, so we've put a task and finish group together, uh, and that's made up of some members of our Conditions of Employment Committee and also members uh, of ASCL. From, uh, we've got CEOs uh, that work across trusts, and we've got some executive head teachers, head teachers, business leaders that are in roles working across trusts, business leaders from individual primary schools, from secondary schools, we've got single academy trusts, so we've tried to make sure we've got every sector and phase represented there. And also we've got someone, a, a business leader from Wales, and we've got someone from the independent sector. And we're working together on looking at, um, we've broke it down into some topics of business leaders paying conditions, uh, profiling status and recognition, Qualification, including all CPD and career pathways, recruitment and retention, and well-being and workload. Gosh, that that sounds there's an, there's an awful awful lot um, on that on that plate. But what what I really um, encourage to hear is is the breadth of experience and skill and indeed roles that are represented on that group. Um, Haley, for for the, anyone that's new. Um, to the, the podcast or, or indeed to task and finish groups. Can you say what is the purpose of a task and finish group fundamentally? So the, the, the task and finish group, um, whereas our ASCOL Council very much has a, um, a fundamental role in decision making, the, the idea of a task and finish group is to, is to give a broader depth and a broader, a broader look at particular, uh, particular topics. So it's, it's very structured. So um, we do have a framework that we're using. We were very thoughtful with the Conditions and Employment Committee about thinking about what the makeup of that group should look like and as Louise has already said that we thought very carefully about the diversity in terms of diversity of roles, diversity of experiences and um, including the different jurisdictions to get that breadth of, uh, of knowledge and experience 
experience. And it's, it's very much one of the tools that we can use at our school where we can really engage the membership because I think we, we recognise we've all got our own experiences. I mean, all three of us are ex-business leaders and we've all got a breadth of experience. But I think we recognise that however much we know ourselves, you can always learn more from others. And it's also really important to get um, as many different voices shared as well. And I think one of the things that's been absolutely fantastic, particularly about this group, is the opportunity for us to experiencing business leaders and um, executive leaders together. So Louise was talking about that we've got sort of CEOs, head teachers working alongside business leaders. And it's been absolutely fantastic for, for those people who are from different schools and trusts and organisations to come together and to hear each other's experiences. Because I don't know whether you'd agree, Louise, but I think there's been, at times, there's been some surprising examples of, um, for example, when we've talked about flexible working, hearing how different organisations are doing that, has, has, I think has really opened the eyes to some of the group about how, how much further forward some organisations are on their journey in terms of how they're supporting uh, their business leaders and, and how there are some that, that we need to help along on that journey. I completely agree with that, Hayley. I think... Um, I, th I think we've got within the group and within our own experiences, we've got absolutely every uh, eventuality covered for. We've got the whole range of the spectrum there. And I think it's really reassuring for some of the ones that perhaps are working in those environments where they're not as far down that journey yet and they're not embracing those flexible working opportunities to hear from some of those, particularly in those executive leader roles where they've got that uh, ethos of, you know, that the business leader role really lends itself to um, working from home or remote working, flexible working, and, uh, you know, are actually using that um, to make their the, the conditions better for their business leaders. And some of the others, you know, whether, whether, it's, uh, whether we're talking about their central teams uh, and things like that. So I think it's really good to hear that coming from people who are actually leading those organisations that actually, you know, that you may just be st stuck in like a situation yourself, but actually that's not the case uh, across the workforce, you know, across the system as a whole. So I think it's really good to see that there are, you know, there there is, um, you might not have started on that journey yet, but there's plenty of others that are there. And I think it's about um, having that reassurance that, you know, there is some work to do and they'll be able to get there and sharing those specific examples and the benefits. Uh, I think that's the key thing is focusing on what, what that brings to an organisation to, to implement those processes. Gosh, thanks. Louise. I mean, clearly a really important piece of work um, that, that you're uh, undertaking there, but also from listening to you, both of you, it seems that as a, as a group, there's a real... Um, potential for sort of a positive ripple effect is sort of greater than the sum of its parts, isn't it? I think by the sounds of things already. So, Louise, you um, you said you, you gave you know a very um, impressive list um, of subject areas that the group was going to tackle. What are you focusing on at the moment? Um, well, based on feedback from um, various sources, to be honest, um, we've we've changed the order of what we were looking at. We, we've brought workload forward because we realise that that's a real issue for business leaders at the moment. So at the moment, we're focusing on workload. And what we did, the discussion at our last meeting um, was prompted by a series of questions that Hayley and I shared with the task unfinished group uh, in advance of the meeting. And the questions were around um, what area of demand has the most pull on their time? 
what advice, guidance or tools should ASCL be asking the government or any other regulatory bodies to develop or anything that they would like to see ASCL develop, uh, which returns, either statutory or non-statutory, take a significant amount of time to complete. Um, what are the biggest barriers to keeping the workload manageable? So they were the sort of things, and that, that really helped to prompt a huge discussion, you know, and, and, and I would say if, if the one thing that comes through from, that came through on this topic particularly was everybody was saying that, you know, workload is a huge issue. So uh, whereas we'd got on flexible working, we'd got a variety of views. I think workload is the one thing that everybody is in real agreement on. Um, I think, would you agree on that, Hayley? Yeah, I would completely agree. And I think that the one thing that came through really, really strongly, uh, which I think is, a, is an issue at the moment, was being responsible for cover, was highlighted as a, as a really significant workload pressure that was impacting on, on some individuals and groups of staff. Uh, and some quite stark examples of um, staff saying they were regularly being contacted before seven o'clock in the morning, late into the evenings at weekends. And I've had an opportunity to speak to um, a head teacher and a, and a deputy head this week who said, one said, um, if I can get to the end of my dog walk in the morning and I've not had a message, I know it's going to be an OK day. And the other saying, I absolutely dread looking at my phone in the morning because I'm just waiting to see who it is that's going to be taken ill that day and to think about how am I going to cover all bases today to make sure that I've got all the, the classrooms covered and that the support is in place for, for, for more vulnerable children, that I'm able to cover all those bases. So it, I think that is particularly difficult at the moment, which I think is getting lost in some of the messaging that, that we're, we're hearing at the moment more broadly nationally, that actually schools are, and colleges are still in this at the moment. They're still dealing with the, with the impact of COVID on a day-to-day -day basis. Most yeah. definitely. Most definitely. So how... How is the, the work of the task or finish group influencing and supporting um, the work of ASCAL Council and particularly the Conditions and Employment Committee, which I think this feeds into? I think um, one of the things, like Hayley said earlier, it's given us that real breadth of uh, experience. Um, we're not, because of the way the committee's uh, set up and structured and the timing, there's not the time to investigate these issues to the level of detail and do the amount of research and you know, and test it, get the feedback that we can. So it, it's really good that the, the information from the uh, task and finish group then feeds back to the conditions of employment committee. So we have an update, um, an agenda item at each committee meeting where we update the committee on the work we've been doing. That also is giving us a, a, that overview of the different policies in the different jurisdictions. Um, ongoing impact of covid which kind of we, we discuss at every meeting anyway uh, for all leaders but you know it, we're able to give some real firm examples uh, like Haley's just mentioned that uh, the impact on cover and one of the things that we discussed was you know if people are off sick the staffing issues that they've got organizing cover then automatically falls to that business leader if they had a cover manager in place you know it automatically then it's the business leader that has to pick that up and there's no consideration really given to capacity to it to be able to do that it's just it's got to be done so the business leader has to pick that up on top of everything else um, and it's really good to be able to we go away and research things and then give the feedback but then actually this this information then feeds into creating those position statements and that's uh, the work that then uh, serves the work that we do with employers and the um, policy makers and things like that so it's just really really firm ex specific examples of what um, is happening out in the you know in in the workforce that we're able to give back to them and give them some real 
um, positive examples of how we can things we can put in place to help to change that. I completely agree, Louise. I think there's been some the, the level of feedback and insight that the group has been able to give us has been so so valuable. And I, th I think what it opened my eyes to was some of the um, the different policies in the different jurisdictions as well. I think having, as you mentioned early on today, that um, we've got somebody from Wales on the group, and, it, and it's a real eye, eye opener actually for me to see that if we do a little bit of a comparison between England, Scotland, and Wales, who are again as are all in a different point of their their journey is um that actually i would say my opinion is actually in england we're probably further on that journey i think um business leaders are um that, that there's a, a lot more instances instances of business leaders being um paid and their conditions being better and their opportunities being broader which um i think was a real eye-opener for me and, and i and i think other um things as well like some of the sort of uh, highlighting some of the potential um, unintended consequences of the direction of travel so things like that what we're seeing at the moment the system developments that actually that that are thinking that this is potentially widening the gap between schools and trust roles and potentially that's part of the problem in killing the supply pipeline and the recruitment and retention of um, sufficiently experienced and qualified uh, business professionals and if we if we do that now um that's going to cause a huge huge problem because we're already seeing at the moment concerns and examples about the number of experienced professionals who are either deciding to leave the profession they're deciding to retire or they're considering their their position so i, I think it's really important that we're looking at this right now and i think one of the things i'd say is if if business leaders or or other type of school college trust leaders are listening to this and thinking I've got a really great example, either something that's been really difficult or something that's been really positive that I'd really like to share with um, Louise and Haley and with the Task and Finish group. Please never forget that you can email us at tellus.askall.org.uk and we'd absolutely love to read your experiences because um, the, the more of those that we get, as Louise was just saying, the more granular feedback that we get and we're able to anonymise that and put that back to for example, the Department for Education, the Education and Skills Funding Agency, the more likely we're likely to get change in the sector um, with your help. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Hayley. I mean, clearly, there has never been a more important time to be doing this work. So um, thank you both for, for, for doing all that on, on behalf of all of us um, in, the, in the business leader community. Um, we had a um, ASCAL council last week. We had to have a uh, council online again. It was a virtual council, which was a shame, but um, it was the right thing to do. Um, and one of the things that we do at council is... Uh, is take position statements and a position statement is a very clear and public statement of um, Askell's view on a particular area of policy and I think we there were well I think there were about eight or nine ratified last week it was it was a very very busy day um, and I know that one one of those was a position statement on business leaders condition uh, business leaders conditions of service so given the conversation that we're having we Louise, could you unpack that a little bit more for, for people that are listening? What did yeah, we say in that? Yeah, um, so we've, we'd already got a um, position statement around sort of conditions of employment, but it was it was more geared towards um, the STPCD and that side of it. And we, we've seen now that um, with the 
increase in the academies and the government's intention, you know, their vision for every school to be part of a, tr a you know, a strong trust. Uh, we're going to see more and more academies and more schools not being maintained schools. And at that point, then, uh, they're no longer obliged to follow any of those national terms and conditions. TUPI obviously affects the ones that are transferred at that point. But um, sadly, we're seeing that so, although, uh, you know, the majority of employers do still follow the terms and conditions for teachers, it's not always the case for business leaders and for support staff who are not generally employed under the NJC Green Book terms and conditions. And um, one of the things we feel, well, you know, there's one of the issues that we see discussed a lot, you know, there is not a perfect framework for remunerating school business leaders. Um, and the NJC, you know, doesn't provide that. It, that. There are options there, but because it's not done on a national level, it's dealt with a, lo a local level. There's a, a great deal of variety, uh, variation there. And that's one of the issues we're trying to address through some of the work that we're doing. But what we're trying to say is that but using the green book uh, as a minimum national benchmark actually uh, would go some way towards supporting the retention of those practitioners that may be looking at leaving the system one of the things we've seen throughout the pandemic more and more employers are now moving to remote working flexible working as the default position and um, people employed in those business leadership roles actually could look at working to work just somewhere else within the local authority or in the public sector and actually could get better pay and better terms and conditions than working for an academy you know in the academy sector which we we just think it, sh it shouldn't be the case so um this is why we've come up with a position statement and based on the feedback um that we got from the working group at uh, the task and finish group we've also added that we believe that employers should use flexible working opportunities wherever possible to help improve those conditions of service and to aid in the recruitment and retention uh, of those working in those school or trust business leadership roles. It really, you know, th there is a real opportunity here um, for, and, and this actually also links to the workload issue because if you're able to do flexible working and you were able to work from home one day a week, two days a week, actually the amount of work that you can get done without those constant interruptions and and a lot you know i'm not saying that the interruptions aren't important but they're not always as important and they don't need, always need to take place at that time it's just sometimes somebody walks past your office i'm sure we've all experienced it see you sat at your desk oh while you're there i'm just going to ask you this and if you get you know even 10 percent of the staff doing that that's an awful lot of interruptions um so that having that dedicated time away from the um you know from the school site where you can sit and concentrate maybe on doing some of those returns that you were talking about julia i used to in my role i used to do it when i was doing the budget setting i'd got three school budgets to do uh, you know it was almost impossible to get that done in school that made such a huge difference to to my work so we've we've also included that in there because that flexible working is there as a tool and it works really, really well for those working in those business leadership roles. Mm. Yes, I mean, I, I used to take that opportunity when I could um, myself um, because it's it's that balance, isn't it, between having an open door policy, which is a leader, a school leader, you, you want to have an open door policy because that's right, um, but it's you also have to take care of, of yourself um, uh, and, and not, not let that have a negative impact, I think, on you. So, so that's... That's really, really well explained. Thanks very much, Louise. So I think, Hayley, you've already mentioned some of the examples that the Task and Finish Group um, have given us in terms of good practice, but I think that would be a really good place to, for us to finish and some, some takeaways for people that are listening. So um, 
Are there any others, or do you just would you like to remind us of some of the great examples that you've you've already heard about? Yeah, the group have been so so useful in um, I think helping us to prioritise what might be uh, make the biggest difference because because I, I think from a from an impact point of view there's lots and lots of different things that we could do but I think what's really useful is that the group are helping us to to focus on what's the most useful so um, I think the, the the three strongest things that have that have come through is uh, schools and colleges having adequate resources which um, I think in in some some settings that's a, a real issue. Um, they also said access to funded professional development would really support the recruitment and retention of business professionals. And also, I think thinking about that sort of future proofing, linking the support to succession planning, because I think there's a strong feeling from the group that with, with everything going on, with the direction of travel, perhaps that's got a little bit lost in the noise. So bringing it back to some... some um, really insightful thinking on, on how can we succession plan for, for the future and to help upskill the fantastic business professionals that we have within the system. And I think, as Louise has already said, a really strong sense that flexible working opportunities are absolutely key um, and as well that we should be pushing uh, things like the Department for Education, the Education Skills Funding Agency, the Health and Safety Executive to be doing workload impact assessments on new initiatives before some of these strategies and these policies get launched because quite often a lot of work goes into designing the wording and the frameworks but there's not always a lot of thought going into the impact on workload and some of the unintended consequences that we quite often see from some of these policy developments. So I think some really, really useful, insightful feedback there that we can take forward in some of our, our influencing and our campaigning. Yes, I, that, I really like that, what you were talking about there, about doing the impact on workload assessment. I mean, we talk a lot about um, options appraisal, don't we, when we're talking about financial planning and things like that. But, but you know what? We don't include um, impact on workload as an, ass as an assessment as part of that. And I, and I think we should. Certainly something that I'm going to take away from the conversation today. Um, that, that was really fascinating for me to learn more about the Task and Finish group and, and, and all the, the work that uh, is going on there. So hopefully um, uh, colleagues that are listening will, um, will, will also have lots to take away from that. Um, thank you both. I'm going to hand back to you now, Hayley. Thank you so much, Julia. I really hope everybody's enjoyed listening to that. And as we said, um, we really do want feedback from, from a breadth and diverse, um, as many voices as possible. So do get in touch with us at tellus at askall.org.uk if you'd like to feed in your views and your experiences. They're really valuable to us. Hope you've enjoyed that and we'll be back soon. Thanks for joining us. The Askall Business Brunch.